So let's get into it. The battle is the Lord's, but you have to show up for the fight. Now, many are facing challenges and battles every day, many of us. Battles like uh, wayward children, teenagers and adults. Some of their choices and decisions challenge you because you see the possible mistakes that they're making. Marriages in a crisis that seems hopeless. Battles with parents, brothers, and sisters. Battles on the job with your coworkers, your boss. Uh, you're underpaid. <laughs> People are jockeying for position and undermining you. Battles in your finances. You're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Battling depression and you feel like giving up. Battling sickness and diseases in your body. The enemy's telling you, you sometimes it's a battle with yourself. The enemy's telling you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have what it takes. Always thinking negative thoughts like you're going to fail. So don't even try. Some battles in our life are caused by others, but some battles are caused by us. The good news, though, is whether they are caused by us. Let me say it the way I put it here. The good news is whether you are the cause of the battle or someone else, God can and will work it out or work out that situation for your good. The condition is if you love him and are called according to his purpose. In other words, do his will. Another good news is that God is with you in the battle that you're facing right now. You might feel like you're alone, but God is actually in the battle with you. And if he is with you, there is absolutely no battle he can't win. He is in the light, he, or he is the light, in the darkest areas of our lives, ready to guide us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. Now, there's six things God wanna, wants us to, wants us to uh, do while we're in a battle. The first thing is he wants, and this is probably not in any order, but he wants to reveal himself to you or to us so that we can trust him and his love for us. Let's go to Romans 8.31. Romans 8.31 Romans 8.31 says, it says, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that he, ris he is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, and this is what God wants us to get to the point, where I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And so 
we see that God wants to reveal himself to us. Whenever, whenever we're in a crisis in a battle, he really wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal to you how deep your relationship is within him. Like he wants, he wants us to see. And a lot of times these situations will uncover where we really are. Do we really have the faith? Do we really trust and believe? Do we really believe in prayer? Do we believe in fasting? I mean, it, it is a wonderful uh, opportunity to locate where we really are. He wants to also, re uh, he wants to use the battle to build our character. And when I talk about character, I'm talking specifically about the fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and meekness and kindness and uh, faithfulness and goodness, self-control. All of those are uh, wonderful character builders. I mean, we have to be built in that area. Why? Because when we do, we're more like Christ. He stretches us beyond what we think will break us. He stretches us beyond what we think will break us. We will never be the gauge as to how far we can be stretched. We'll never be the gauge of that. Because if, if you lean to your own uh, understanding of how far you can stretch, well, guess what? You won't really stretch as, <laughs> you won't stretch as, as much as you can. I can remember, you know, my husband, he likes to stretch me from time to time. And, and I <laughs> immediately, I'm like, no, no. But then after a while, I have to, he's, he tells me, you can do more. You can do more. Now, if you leave it up to me and I was stretching myself, I would have quit way before that pain of saying no, no. So you, the stretching, and Tanya had mentioned, I thought was a great uh, you know, message that she had, but she talked about how stretching is something that we need to do because it, what, it, it breaks down uh, like micro parts of, I guess, the muscle, and then, but it builds it once it breaks it down. And so that's the same thing that happens with our walk with God. When we are broken, sometimes God can build us up. Not sometimes, all the time God builds us up. And so he stretches us beyond what we think uh, will break us. He wants to strengthen our faith. That is so, so vitally important because faith without works is dead. Faith, your faith is, is being stretched when there is um, an opposition that is present. That's when your faith is being tried. That's when your faith is being stretched. Without the opposition, there's no way faith can actually exist. It needs that situation. It may need that battle. It may need whatever it is that you're going through. He prunes us. He cuts away the things in our life that can contaminate the good in us. He prunes us. A lot of people don't like to be pruned, but it's important and it's necessary to be pruned. If you don't prune, uh, let's say this was a live plant, if we don't prune that thing, eventually the dead will, will, will overtake the alive, the, thing, the, the leaves and things that are alive. So pruning is necessary for all of us to go through some type of pruning. He prepares us to be used by him. And I think uh, somebody had mentioned that uh, earlier, but he does. He prepares us to be used by him. You know, there, there are other ways um, that, um, so basically if you go through whatever it is, I don't know, it could be 
you know, from marital situations to, you know, sicknesses and diseases, you've gone through it, God can actually use you to actually help others because I promise you there's going to be somebody coming down your way that is dealing with the same exact thing. And it's easier for, let's say, if I dealt with something and she came to me and she said, well, you know, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. And then I can say, well, you know what, I dealt with that and let me tell you what I did versus let's say Harold she tells Harold Harold's like well I've never been you know there before but you know all I can tell you is believe God she'll be more apt to hear what I have to say because why I've been there I've gone through what she's going through so don't take it lightly when you go through things I know sometimes it hurts. I know sometimes it's like, I don't want, let this cup pass from me. I'm sure Jesus was like, well, he did. He said, let this cup pass from me because it was excruciating. But in the scheme of it all, God uses everything, even your pain. He uses everything. And so we have to be ready to be used by the master. Um, now, there's some things to consider while you're in a battle. Uh, one of the things you have to consider is you have to humble yourself. James 4, 10 talks about hum humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you or he will lift you up. The other thing you want to consider is be obedient to what God tells you to do. Sometimes God will use the foolish things to confound the wise. That's found in 1 Corinthians 1, 27. It doesn't make logical sense. Some of the things he tells you to do will not make logical sense. And if you try to rationalize, if you try to think it, overthink it, then you will talk yourself out of the blessing of God. So it's important that you listen and obey what God is actually trying to tell you to do. I'll give you, for instance, like uh, when David killed Goliath with a stone uh, in a slingshot. David shot the sling, but I believe God aimed it. God instructed Moses to stretch out his rod over the Red Sea. Now think about it. You got people running, chasing after you, okay? And God tells him to put his rod over the sea. Now how many of y'all would have been like, first off, you probably would have just took off running. I mean, if somebody's chasing you, you ain't thinking about taking nothing that you got and stretching it out, especially a rod. Now come on, this, the sea is humongous. So what, what would you have done that? Think about that. Would you have done that? How many opportunities are we missing when we have big things that we're facing and God just simply says, do this. And we'd be like, well, that's not going to fix it. Oh, that ain't going to work. Oh, you know what? Let me just get out of the situation. I just want out because why? I want relief. But that one act of obedience caused a miracle to happen. And we're reading about that miracle right now. A Red Sea split open. All because the one man decided to believe God, trust God. And no matter how foolish it seemed, he said, well, you know what? <laughs> I ain't got no other choice. Let me do it. Here's another one. Samson killed 1,000 Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. Come on now. First off, who in the heck would use a jawbone to kill anybody? <laughs> I mean, 
mean, I can't even imagine a jawbone even making any type of, of difference to kill somebody. I don't know. I don't even know where you hit them at. I mean, where do you hit the person? With, with, where do you, you understand what's, but a thousand, y'all, a thousand people with a jawbone. I mean, a thousand people by a thousand people, you would think it would it would have broke by then, wouldn't you think? And 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 the worst thing is, you you you're probably just stabbing people, but that just pricked, you know, like pricking them. You know what I'm saying? But a thousand people, he killed with just a jawbone of a donkey. Uh, in Second Corinthians 20. When the children of Moab, uh, I'm sorry, the children, yeah, children of Moab and Ammonites uh, and others came against Jehoshaphat, uh, to, Jehoshaphat <laughs> to battle. And he told them in verse 15, this is what God said. He says, do, now, well, first off, okay, let's stop there. First off, we have Mo, the Moab, the army of the Moabs and the Ammonites, was Ammonites and Others is what it says. This is found in first, the Second Corinthians twenty. So it wasn't just those two people, huh? Second Chronicles. I'm sorry, Second Chronicles twenty. So it wasn't just those those two those two groups of people. It was others. And what he said in verse fifteen was, "Do not be afraid." Now, first off, how many of y'all would be like, "What? Do not be afraid." I got all these people coming against me. Do not be afraid is what he said. He said, also, don't be dismayed because the multitude uh, for the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Now, I don't know about y'all, but if somebody's coming at me, all those groups of people coming at me, I would think that I have to do something, right? Verse 17 says, God said, uh, you won't need to fight this battle. What? They coming at me. Set yourself and stand still and see the salvation. How many of y'all would have ran? If God told you right now, like thousands of people were coming at you, how many of us would have stood? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But what Joseph, Joseph that did, which I thought was just amazing, is he bowed his head with his face to the ground and he worshiped. He worshiped in the midst of the battle that was facing him. He actually worshiped. How many of y'all would have even got on the ground? How many of us would have got on the ground? That's the last place that you want to be, right? Because you, you want to be able to like jet, <laughs> but to be on the ground. And so another thing that we uh, need to do, we're talking about, let me see, hang on here. We're talking about some things to consider while you're in a battle is fast, pray, worship, and praise. Worship in the midst of your pain and fears is so, so vitally important. When you are tempted in the flesh, worship and praise is a wonderful thing to have planned in your home. So if you're tempted to do anything outside of God, that's, you know, whether it's uh, pornography, you know, whatever the case is, um, you can put worship and praise and it'll be so much harder to actually do something. Would you agree? I mean, would, would it be easy? It would, <laughs> I mean, it'd be really hard to, 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 to get in the flesh like that. So, you know, if you find yourself being tempted, put on some praise and worship. Put on some praise and worship. Um, and then God can take something seemingly small and meaningless 
and win your battle. The other thing God will do is he will customize your weapon in battle. That's why when I started off and I, I said the title is going to be the battle is the Lord's but you have to show up. There, there's a part that you play. You have to push. Uh, the old people used to say push until something happens. Or pray. I'm sorry. Pray. Push means pray until something happens. Pray until you have an encounter with God. Don't let up. Don't give in. Pray until you have an encounter with God. Here's another thing. Have the right people around you. You know, when a person is in ICU, not everybody can go. Matter of fact, they tell you one or two people can come in that room. When you are in a situation, in a battle, you got you to look at this as critical. You're in critical care. And so you've got to watch who's in the room with you. Now, what if all you, I want to say this, what if all you need to fight your battle is live in truth, not visit it? What if all you need is living in truth and not visiting it? You know, sometimes people are, are truthful when, um, when some people are around or, and they're not truthful when nobody's around or vice versa. But what if all you need to fight your battle is living uh, in truth and not visiting it? What if it's giving up your will for his will to be done? What if that's a way that you can win a battle? What about walking in uh, humility? What about submitting to the will of God? Submitting to his plan, his purpose? What about surrendering to God? Selling out to live for him and live for him only? What about obedience? You know, uh, Naaman, when he was told to dip in the water three times to get healed of leprosy, you know, what if he just was, he heard that, dip in the water? Come on. Three times? After the first time he went, he probably felt foolish to even do it. And then the third time, what if he stopped on that second time? He wouldn't have experienced his healing. So I'm sure it didn't make sense to him, but he nevertheless was obedient. So you have to be obedient publicly and privately. You have to be obedient publicly and privately. Integrity is, is uh, doing, you know, basically um, doing the right thing even when no one's watching. That's true integrity. What if you give up the compromise? What if that helps you to win your battle? You give up the compromise. What if you're patient? You're allowing patience to have its perfect work. You're not being weary and well-doing because you'll reap if you faint not. For the scripture says that for you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you'll receive the promises. What if believe all things are possible for them that believe? What if all it takes is for you to believe? What if it is what God says, stand still and see his salvation? What if you take your hands off the situation and allow it to evolve? Isaiah 41 says, fear not. What if we're not afraid? What if 
we walk in faith. What if love is what's needed to be perfected to win your battle? The scripture says in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Give thanks in all things. Now that's interesting right there. So when he says give thanks in all things, that's everything. That's even the, 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 the areas of your life that is sour or is frustrating or, you know, uh, there's voids, uh, there's hurt, there's pain. God is saying give thanks even in that. You know, it's always somebody that's got it worse than you. Always. You know, we sit here and, you know, or wherever you're at in TV land or wherever you're at, and, uh, you know, you have three meals a day and some of us, you know, uh, 10 meals a day. <laughs> but then there's people that could barely, they may eat once a month. So it's always something to be thankful for. It's always something, you know, God really wants us to be grateful for uh, where we are, uh, what we have, rather. Be grateful. The other thing is, what if just dying daily to ourselves? You know, a dead man has no feelings. And that's a wonderful place to be, really, for no one to get under your skin. Can you imagine that, living life where nobody gets under your skin? But that's the life that God really wants us to have. He wants us to actually, uh, uh, Colossians 3.3 3 talks about, um, for you have died, um, it says, and your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. And so these things that happens to us, um, you know, now some people might say, well, I can't hear from God. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to do. One of the things you have to do is you have to follow the peace of God. Now I'm going to explain something to you. I, we are in the process of selling our house, right? And I, I spoke to three realtors, okay? I spoke to three realtors, and what happened was one of them I actually had extensive conversation with. She was the very first one. And I had a piece with her, okay? Now, the company that she represented wasn't really a big company. It wasn't large. And so I, I was kind of torn, but then I met two other people. Now, these two other people, they seemed like they really, like it's a good thing and I got to figure out which one to, to go with well it came down to the wire where we had to choose one and I remember telling the first one I said well you know what I, I, I kind of like you I think we'll go with you now, I remember me saying that right well then when it came down for me to make the decision the other two seemed to be a little bit more um uh what's the word uh profitable or whatever it seemed better it just seemed like a better fit and so basically um <laughs> what I what I said was out well the day that I had to choose I talked to the first one okay and she gave me such peace like there was such a peace in just talking with her I got off the phone and immediately I said oh man, now I got to call these other two and explain to them, you know, that I, I'm going to use the first lady. Well, as soon as I entertained that thought, the first thought came to me was the first lady 
what she could do money monetary wise in other words we could get more money the other one was well her establishment was um, greater than the other person so immediately I became double-minded and I was like whoa 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 I said okay Melanie stop it stop it you had peace the first time you allowed the circumstances and the money to actually change your peace so what I'm saying to you is when you get that peace you got to stop and you gotta you gotta make up in your mind that's it because I guarantee you when you start to when you start to introduce other things it's gonna take you off that piece and so I passed the test <laughs> we ended up going with the third uh, or, or the first person so I said that to say I mean you really you have to follow the peace of God you can't look at what's comfortable what's convenient what uh, what cost you, you just can't look at that. And so, you know, you, it can't be about money or convenience is my point. Or relief, even. It's, <laughs> it's got to be, this is what God wants you to do. And remember, we talked about how it makes no sense. It makes no sense. So this one thing I love about God, and that is when he brings you out, you will look like you've never been through. Amen. I mean, all of us can attest to how he has brought us through things, and we don't look like what we came through. So, I think that's it.